Hello, and welcome to the Neff Canyon Ward podcast. My name is Tyler Slade, and I'm excited to bring you all the cool people of our neighborhood and ward. The goal of this podcast is for all of us to get to know each other better, to create unity through sharing our experiences with others in the gospel. This week, we welcome into our very first podcast, The Stokers. Brother and Sister Stoker were kind enough to not only allow us into their home, but to be our very first interview. What an absolute joy it was to meet with them and to feel of their incredible spirit, as you will see. They truly are pioneers of this neighborhood, as you will also learn. So with that, here we go. All right, we are here with the Stokers, Brother and Sister Stoker, and uh, we're getting to know them, and uh, we want to start by asking, you know, Tell, tell the word about yourself. Tell us uh, uh, about where, where you're from and all that good stuff. Okay. I'll have Becky start. Okay. Well, in a nutshell, I have lived on Parkview Drive longer than any other place because I was born and raised in the house next door to us and um, enjoyed a wonderful childhood in Mount Olympus Park, which it was called at that time. We were the only house here besides the old barn up the street. And um, dirt road and fields, as far as you could see. So that's where I started and here we are back 70 years later living next door to where I grew up and I had a wonderful childhood and met Doug when I was a senior in high school. Did you go to Skyline? uh Uh-huh, went to Skyline, but Doug had just returned from his mission. While he was on his mission, his parents moved into our ward and so he returned to this ward Mm -hmm. And his mother claims that he robbed the cradle, which he did. (laughs) We were married when I was just barely 19 and uh, helped Doug complete his schooling at the University of Utah. And then we moved to San Francisco where he did his schooling in podiatry. And then we moved back. And um, during that time, we started our family and over a period of 16 years had six children. And um, they are all now at this point married and on their own, but they have given us 20 wonderful grandchildren Mm -hmm. and we're so grateful for them. We are now empty nesters and live in a house next door to where I was born and raised. And I can honestly say that the entire time I have lived on this earth, driving up Parkview Drive makes my heart flutter because I see that beautiful Mount Olympus and this beautiful area, and it has changed dramatically. But the people are just as good and just as wonderful and we love this area very very much property value is a little different now 
What's that? Property values are a little different now. <laughs> Just a tad. <laughs> <laughs> but Daryl Hart and the others who are in this ward would be, we will be very upset if we don't tell the story of actually how we met. Well, you can do it quickly. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please do. Well, tell us no. the story. When, the, the, only, the story is, is that when they, they were giving plays every year at that particular time, you did plays in the, in the wards every year, like road shows, and then they did one-act plays. So in the ward, they were doing a one-act play, and they were casting people in this, and they found they didn't have any uh, young men who would or could or were able to, to do a part. My mother was the Relief Society president because they lived, they lived over where the Christiansons now live. And my mother said, I have a son who can do that. I was still on my mission. So she volunteered. So I got home on a Wednesday, and Becky was cast opposite me in this play, and we met that Saturday morning uh, when she was a senior in high school. Uh, and several people in the ward claimed that they were responsible for, for, well, Darryl for Hart that. Daryl Hart was the director of the play at that particular time. So Daryl's getting the credit. Yeah, uh -huh. he, he takes it. He'll, he'll take the credit very, very well. So, so we've been married 51 years, uh, which always amazed the people when we served in Africa because no one lives that long, especially in being, in being married. So when did you serve in Africa? Tell us a little bit about that. We were called uh, to Africa in 2013. I, I practiced podiatry from 1974 to 2013, retired. Uh, and then we were called to serve a mission in Africa as public affairs specialists, uh, lived in Ghana, uh, and had a wonderful experience there. And we, we actually worked for the area presidency while we were there and had seven countries that we were responsible for as far as public affairs are concerned. Uh, got to all of them except one, and that was because of the, the Ebola problem that occurred while we were there. But uh, I had a wonderful experience there. They're uh, un unreal people in unbelievable situations and very, very spiritual. Highest baptizing area in the church. Uh, they, f they formed nine stakes a year in the years that we were there. Mm. They, uh, the bishops have been members for a year maybe. Wow. Uh, and so that's a challenge. It's a leadership challenge over there. But we had a wonderful experience. And then after we came home, we, we had various callings in the ward, and now we're serving at Primary Children's Hospital. Uh, so you're not inactive? I'm, we're not inactive. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> no, I'm on the high council, and Becky's uh, my companion uh, at the primary hospital where we have a branch of the, of the church, and it's very fulfilling. We enjoy it very much. Fantastic. Uh, Becky, why don't you tell us, uh, tell the ward a little bit about your conversion story. How did you... How, how did you become, you know, converted to the gospel of Jesus Christ? Well, I would say that I was very blessed to grow up in a home where both parents were extremely committed to the gospel. And so it wasn't difficult at all for me to understand the importance of living a good life and 
listening to our prophet and our leaders of the church. So my time at home was very comfortable with learning about the gospel because, especially because of the example of my parents. Um, I had the opportunity when I was 10 years old to move to Germany with my parents and my two sisters while dad served a mission as mission president there. Oh, wow. My oldest brother had just gone to Austria on a mission, and my second brother went to a serviceman's high school, and then after that year, when he graduated, he served a mission also in Germany at the same time that we were there. So I had the opportunity of living for three years with elders and sisters who were committed to the gospel and watching my parents serve and love the saints there. And that just strengthened my understanding and belief in the gospel. And then after um, marrying Doug and we started our own family and our, our own experience, I found that the, the lessons that I had learned as a girl and as a young woman stayed with me. But the one thing that I learned quickly was that if I were to continue with this learning experience, and I am still learning now as I study the gospel, but it wasn't going to come easily. I had to do my part to make sure that I stayed in tune with the Spirit and could feel that strength that I felt in my family home when I was growing up. And so Doug and I began to establish our own um, ways of studying and worshiping and feeling the spirit. I think the thing that I am most grateful for is modern day prophets and apostles who are so inspired with those things that they know we need to know. And we are so blessed to have these leaders who are led by the Lord and tell us everything we need to know. And if we follow them, if we heed their counsel, we will remain strong. Um, I believe in revelation. I believe in modern 
Revelation. And I think at this time in our lives, in all of our lives, we have seen more modern revelation come about than, than, we've ever, than I have ever mm -hmm. experienced. For sure. And the things that have happened in our lives recently are just such a testimony um, of that. I also believe in personal revelation. And I have found throughout the years that if I stay in tune, if I find quiet moments, if I listen carefully, I too can receive revelation that is pertinent to me and my family, and I'm very, very grateful for that. Well, Doug, I don't know how you follow that. I think we'll just wrap it up. <laughs> I've, been, I've been following that for years. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much. That is uh, perfect. Doug, tell us more about your conversion story. Well, it, conversion story isn't an instantaneous thing. I. As, as I've thought about that particular question, the only thing that I can think of is, is that I was enveloped as a youngster in the programs of the church and have felt from the very beginning as a, as a youngster the, the spirit and the, the magnitude of, of the way the gospel should function. I've been involved in quite a number of things in the, in the church. <clears throat> both uh, calling spiritual things, uh, a lot of activities back when we were doing all those things. And one of the things that's interesting is that as I have observed people functioning within, within the gospel, things that shouldn't work because we're not able to do it work. Because if you put in the effort, the Lord makes up the difference. Yeah. Uh, and I've, I've seen that over and over and over again with myself and with people with specific callings. They rise to the occasion, and it works, and it shouldn't. Uh, I mean, I went out as a missionary, served a mission in Australia, uh, and wasn't nearly as prepared as, as I should have been and the kids are today. I mean, we had two days of MTC at that particular point in a house on North Temple. Uh, but as I, as I watched missionaries, and 18 and 19-year-olds shouldn't have the success that, right. that, that they do. And one of my testimonies is, is that the Lord helps you to make things work when they shouldn't. Agreed. Both individual people like us, uh, people that have callings that they're not prepared for, uh, and, and other things that, that, that we have. My parents were steady as a rock in the gospel. They, they never wavered, they never, uh, never doubted at all. And as I think of primary and young men, young women, and I had a phenomenal scout experience, uh, as I look at all those things, I just felt like I was inside of a cocoon of the gospel mm. that, that helped me gain and strengthen a, a testimony of the gospel, which is, uh, never wavered in that. So what would all. you say to, to those that are maybe struggling and want a testimony of the gospel? What, what advice would you give them? Become involved, do things like they, 
in the mission field, you teach people if they want to, to prove the law of tithing, you pay tithing and see what blessings come from it. You can't prove it intellectually. You have to feel it spiritually. You have to live as you're supposed to live to see the benefits and the, and the guidance that you're supposed to, I like that. to live. Uh, that's easy for me to say because I've never had any doubt and I've never had any uh, big trials worry of faith. about that as far as trials of, of faith are concerned. Uh, I'm, I'm married to somebody who's as solid as a rock who can't, uh, who can't do anything but just move me forward. Yeah. Uh, but to see the difference that's made up by the Lord in our meager talents that we, that we may have uh, and have things work like they do in the gospel is a miracle to me. It just, it just shouldn't work with 30,000 bishops who don't know, we don't, you know, you don't know what you're doing when you get that calling particularly. Elders corn president. Uh, elders corn president. <laughs> well, sure. And, and because, and then what you do is you say, I, I, I don't know what to do, and then Lord will help you figure out what to do. Yeah, uh, and that in and of itself is a testimony to me of the truthfulness of the gospel. Is is that we that people succeed at those things, and we can all think of callings that we've had and things that we've been asked to do that we said I don't I can't do that. Yeah, but then we do because we make an effort, and the Lord makes up the difference, and I'm convinced of that. So what. Uh... What would you tell like younger families raising young kids right now? Like, advice would you give them raising kids in the gospel? What worked for you? What maybe would you have done different? Uh, I always get it. It's always amusing to me when you go to a family a family relations class, and the only people that make any comments are the people that don't have any kids. Because <laughs> <laughs> those of us who have kids know that there's no easy answer no. to that. <laughs> you're not going to write that book? No, you're not going to write the book. Whether you raise your hand and say, well, this is what I think you ought to do, and then you find that they really don't have any kids. Because <laughs> I'm not going to raise my hand and say it because I've got kids. And, I mean, I have, I, I have siblings, for instance, that are not active in the church. Uh, Raised in the same family, same home, same gospel yeah. enveloping, and they, they have chosen not to uh, to be active. But uh, as far as raising children are concerned, uh, it's a matter of honoring the agency of the children that you have and putting them in positions where they can see the value of the gospel. And that's being an example to them of going to the temple, of praying, of studying, of doing all the things you're supposed to do, as difficult as those things sometimes are. If you do that, if you serve as an example to them, then your chances of success are much, much higher than, they, than just telling them. They have to have the experience of it. I would also add that it's never too soon to talk with your children about important things concerning the gospel and take every advantage in the car. Um, I like that. Just washing the dishes, eating lunch together someplace, going someplace, and enjoying each other's company. There's always opportunities to talk about important things. And it can be done easily without the children even knowing that you're purposely doing this. But if they hear it 
right from the beginning and it becomes an easy thing to discuss and learn together on a daily basis. I love I just that. Think it you just need to always take that opportunity. Becca, let me finish with this question for you. Um, what if you could talk to generations that are yet to come that you when you're gone from this earth and your kids 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 is going to listen to this what what would you tell them what what do you want them to know about you their great 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 grandmother well i i think i would want them to know more than anything that I love my Savior, Jesus Christ. And I am so thankful for what he means to me, what he has done for me, and what a wonderful gift he has given me and my entire family so that we can be together again. Love that. Doug, what would you tell them? Listen to their great-great-great-grandmother. <laughs> <laughs> um, to, to learn how to serve others, to learn that that's the, that's the answer to most of the things that we are asked to do in life. Uh, and that's to look for those things that can be done for others. And this is sitting by me, the best example of that, that, that there is, because that's what she does, uh, is looks for places and people that she can help, and then she just does it. And if you do that, then the Lord will bless you and will, will bless you with the things that you need to, to know and learn to, to be successful. Well, I certainly feel the spirit right now. Um, and uh, I know, I know for sure that's absolutely what you believe and mean. And uh, thank you for for sharing. Thank you for sharing. Okay, so we cut off the audio too soon because now the Stokers have really been on a roll, and they have shared a really cool idea that that I want everybody to hear. So, Becky, tell us, tell everybody about this cool idea. That you guys are executing on. Okay, for Christmas 2020, we were given, Doug and I were given a gift called Story Worth. And basically what it is, is um, a list of questions where we are asked one question a week and we have the opportunity of answering that question about ourselves, and uh, then we submit it as a chapter in a book that will be published at the end of the year. So basically, all we have to do is answer the question about ourselves that um, we would like to share and record as part of our lives and Doug does his separate from mine. We haven't read each other's, 
but we do submit them. And then when the stories have been submitted, our children receive the stories and just love. So it's compiled read. in a book. It's the, the, this company, StoryWorth, StoryWorth.com. StoryWorth, I think.com. They put them all together. You can add photos, which we have not done yet, but it it's spurred me on to go through all of the old slides of my mom's and dad's that have been sitting waiting to be put documented somehow. Now I'm going through them and because we received this gift for Christmas, Doug and I bought a scanner that you can take your slides and it turns them, you can turn them into photos. Digital photos. And so we will eventually, when I get done with these photos, uh, we will add photos to the chapters. Doug borrowed all of the slides of his parents from his brother. They've just been sitting there, same thing. And we thought, we've got to get pictures to add to these stories. It will just be so wonderful. And so now Doug is spending time scanning all of the slides that he borrowed from his brother. And his brother was thrilled because now he said, great, you'll now you can give them to me and I won't have to scan them. So we're doing a lot of family history. So this is going to be digitized and also it's going to be analog with a real book that That's you right. can pass on. That's right. And this, this year will be just our childhood. We're going to go from birth to when Doug and I met. And anything in between. And then next year we'll, we'll do something else. We'll... Well, there you have it. It's the uh, it's a, a hack on life by the Stokers. <laughs> I think it's a fantastic idea. Like well, I'm going to have my parents do it's it. It's been lots of fun. We hope we can remember next year. <laughs> yeah. What we're asked about. Yeah. It, it forces your mind to really think, right? It, it, it puts does. you in places that you probably wouldn't have gone. It, the memories that have come back to me because of writing these stories. In fact. I now called our siblings to ask them yeah, questions. Yeah, I'll, I'll. Do you remember this? Text my sister and say. It's pure gold. What do you remember about this experience? Or yeah, that's and, pure gold, especially for family history. Uh huh. Right. I mean, that uh, there's probably going to be a way to attach a link to familysearch.com, and I mean, there's there's a lot of places it could go. So yeah, it, thanks a ton. It, you bet. It's that's been lots. Awesome. Of fun. <laughs>